Welcome back to Finest Hours, where we explore amazing true stories of human achievement and influence. It's been a little over two weeks since our last episode, but we're happy to be back. I'm Braden Cromar, joined by my co-host, Hayden Hansen, and our superb executive producer, Skylar Williams. Hello, everybody. What's up? Uh, It's been over two weeks because Hayden's been moving into his first home this week. That may or may not be true. Or were you just lying to us to make excuses not to record? No, we're we're in, so life is good. Well, good. Skyler, what's up with you? Same old, same old. Nothing new. All right. Just living life. All right. Well, as long as you're living life and not... Not dying life? Just dying. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a wonderful experience. You'll have to tell us more about it someday. (laughs) Maybe write a book about it. (laughs) how not to die in life (laughs) it's useful information well last episode we had our special three-part episode wonder women of history and today we're doubling down talking about another amazing group of women the fighting women of dohaime 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 i think it's dohomies (laughs) we're talking about dohomies today we're we're dohomies group of homies we're dohomies talking about the Yes. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. It is, but nonetheless, we are talking about them. So imagine that you are a French or English explorer. You're walking around Western Africa and you're afraid that you're going to see warriors if you take a wrong turn or anything like that. And you're going to be expecting men. But this time you take a wrong turn. And a huge group of women with javelins, and they're massive, they look like men, are walking towards you. And guess what? What do you do? You don't do anything, because these are the Dahomey women. You're already dead. (laughs) In the mid-19th century, in what is now Benin, Africa, lived the people of Dahomey, a fierce military society known as Black Sparta. An area known as the Slave Coast, the male population was drastically reduced to the slave trade. The Dahomey Amazons, an all-female army, were an elite fighting force that were feared across the region. You know what's interesting is they're called Amazons, but they're nowhere near the Amazon. No, it was a a term used by reporters. So my question then is, why is the Amazon named the Amazon? Were there also female warriors down there? Yes, there were. But we're not talking about them today, Hayden. Don't get us, don't distract us. Is this where Wonder Woman came from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't the, know. The, the other Amazon people, not, not these ones. There's a lot of Amazons. Okay. Not, not to confuse everybody. This is taking place in Africa. Well, to be clear, there is one Amazon, but this was just a coin termed by reporters that visited the region. A coin termed or a term coined? I actually don't know. You know what I'm saying, though. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful stories. Okay, great. Moving on. So what's interesting is how these women warriors came to be. And the interesting part is, well, nobody's really sure. 
So they weren't keeping extensive records about this. Um, so the predominant theories, um, one of them says that they came to be during the 17th century, that this group of women um, were out hunting elephants, uh, that they were killing all the elephants, they came back, and the king was very proud of them. And eventually the women said, you know what would be even more fun would be a manhunt. And the king was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's put you in the army. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that really worked out, but essentially that's what it was. <laughs> and right then they knew they had psychopaths. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's how the conversation went exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. But like I bet he just leaned back in his chair and was like, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Everybody's going to be fine for me. Um, and so the other major theory, and this one has a little bit more credibility to it, uh, because in the early uh, 1700s, it was like 1720, there was an explorer that went down there and saw that the king was surrounded by women guards that had uh, long poles that they were kind of using as their weapons. And then just a few years later, somebody else went down there and recorded that they saw women fighting and that they had uh, more fierce weapons. So swords, clubs, uh, long razors and things like that. Um, and that they were more involved in the military rather than just being the king's guard. And so they believe that it originally started as a king's guard, uh, that the women were the only um, people that were allowed within the king's quarters at night. And so that's why they were selected to be the guard, uh, a bit of a cultural thing. And that from the guard developed the Dahomean women warriors. The kings went a brother and then a sister and then another brother. And during those three reigns, these Amazon women, as they're coined, became an elite force as not only guards to the king or the queen or whatever, but also as the elite group of the military that they were depended upon and everybody feared them throughout their little West Africa uh, region. So recruiting for the female fighting force started really young. It started about the, at about eight years old and it wasn't really that hard to recruit. A lot of girls were interested in joining this, this fighting force. They would stage these mock battles, these military obstacles that they would run through trainings with, and they would have to scale these walls of thorns. But the women were pretty unfazed by this. This is all documented by a French explorer. And so he was visiting Dahomey, and the king wanted to show off his elite fighting force. And so uh, the French explorer watched as they performed a mock battle, which is really interesting. Um, they basically built like a city and this wall that they had to scale. And so they covered the wall in like two inch thorns. So these are some long thorns. These are nasty. And so during the, the mock battle, they're climbing up that wall. And the crazy part to me was they pretend like they get pushed back. And so they go back down the wall and then they go back up the wall. <laughs> and then they pretend like they're in some hand to hand combat stuff. And so he said that they were ignoring the wounds that the thorns inflicted. And so again, these are like two inch thorns, like they're going to cut you up really good. 
And this was all just for show and a part of training. And then they, again, do a mock hand-to-hand combat thing. They pretend to take prisoners. And then at the end of this battle, they're given awards for bravery. And so rather than getting, you know, a trophy or a medal, they're given a belt. Okay, so I guess there are some fighting sports that are still given belts today. Belts were a little unique. (laughs) And that's where WWE comes from. (laughs) Fake fighting and belts. (laughs) Oh, man. Why don't they have swords nowadays? (laughs) Yeah, we need that. And so these belts, though, are made from the same thorns. And so they would proudly take these belts and put them around their waist, and these thorns are then stabbing into their skin again. And so a huge part of what they were doing was for show and was showing their fierceness. And so that's what was so commonly recorded by other explorers was how fierce these women were because they would witness these women go through so much pain and act like it was nothing. So in one of those, what would you call it, displays of war, a French delegation was visiting Dahomey um, in the 1880s and Their report is that they witnessed a 16-year-old girl in the middle of training um, was just take, like, hacking, just swing um, the machete um, and removed the head of a prisoner. And I think it was recorded that it only took her, like, three strokes to fully decapitate him. And after she got the blood and just, like, wiped it in her mouth and then just walked away. And all, I guess I should say this, all of the Amazon women were like screaming and were like, yeah, yeah. So that's just to show you like how fierce these uh, women were. If you remember a couple years ago where all of the girls on Instagram would like do something weird with their hand up by their eyes and they'd be like fierce. And that was like their fear. (laughs) (laughs) Not even close. That. No, that was inspired by the women of Dahomey. Dahomey. Social impact. <laughs> who who knew? Way who to knew? tie that. Way to tie that back to modern day. And you know what else these women did? They wouldn't just cut off the heads of their enemies. <laughs> they would cut off their genitalia and return home with that as a sign of pride. Luckily, that is not influenced in today's day and age. <laughs> that is some hardcore feminism. There are uh, a story with that. When they uh, were taking control over the region, they climbed a wall. So going back to that other story, they they climbed it at night and then they opened up the gates and all of the women went through and they like decapitated the whole city. Um, and then the report after was that the king made a throne with all of the heads and he sat on it and then he decorated his walls with the rest of the heads. This is turning into a Halloween episode. We're not ready for that yet. (laughs) It's a precursor. (laughs) Spooky thieving. Now, every single Dahomey Dahomey warrior was officially married to the king. And so this left them all celibate. Um, They were officially married to the king and kind of like married to the position of the sword. And so that was an interesting part of their army. Everyone within the society was willing to fight. The tribe, the Dahomeys, were fairly small, and they were almost constantly at war. Again, they were referred to as a black Sparta. 
And so they were warring with neighboring tribes. They were taking prisoners who then became slaves. It was said that each Dahomey woman that was housed in the king's quarters uh, may have had up to 50 slaves for each individual Dahomey woman. And so they were one of the stronger powers, even though they were a smaller group. And that came from the fact that, one, they were so fierce, but two, everybody was willing to fight. Skylar, tell us about the prisoners of war that the Dahomey would take. What did you become? A slave? Anything else? Yeah, so if you were captured, you would become a slave and basically dead. Um, (laughs) Those were basically the only two options. There's accounts of them doing public beheadings. Um, And this account that we really wanted to share is that they tied their slaves up um, and like kind of put them in some baskets and to show the fierceness of the warriors, they lifted them above their heads and chucked them down a massive cliff to their deaths. And if there was not a large cliff, then they would carry them on top of the wall and throw them to the mob beneath. And then the mob would do the rest of the work. Yep. Literally, like, over their heads. Like, over, <laughs> like up in the air, over their heads, carrying these baskets with the POWs on them. 150-pound men. Actually, probably more. Probably, like, 200-pound yeah, men. I but either way, it was above their heads. Right around there. They're crazy. Now, once the French came in, uh, they were able to subdue them, uh, largely due to their military training and their greater weapons. But the French also said that they were much more fierce and were very talented in hand-to-hand combat. So if it weren't for, you know, the muskets and the rifles, they may have been outmatched. They actually had to have two separate wars to completely subdue the Dahomey because the first time they the way that they would go to war is they'd kind of ambush the French and these women were specifically tasked to target the French army and then I think the second time the French came back and they were like yeah this is not going to happen again and they brought machine guns Gary that's freaking gnarly I mean yeah you're talking about well when was this though the 19 when did the French take control um, the division of Africa started happening in like the 1870s and that's when they were made into a colony. Yeah. So I think officially they became like Ben Benin Benin in ni- like August of 1960, 1960. Oh, that's so, when they got their independence. They were just a part of the French colonies previous okay. to that. So I think they were, yeah, part of it for like 60, 70 years or something like that. Yeah. So French some, call continuous battles and revolts against the French, it sounds like. Now, one of the craziest stories that came with that was that there was a woman that approached another tribe and they were flying the tricolor. That's the French flag. And so she walked up to him and said, Ah bien, this flag will serve you well. And then chopped off the head of the king, one stroke, wrapped it in the French flag and took it back to her king. That's a story right there. That's a story. They were not fans of the French, and so they fought them vehemently for a long time. 
as the Brits would say, they were not to be trifled with. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that their loyalty was due to, how am I going to phrase this? Was their loyalty due because they were so close to the king? Or do you think they were just loyal women and as part of like being warriors, that's where their loyalty lied? Well, considering they were all married to the king, it must have been true love. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. (laughs) So towards the end of the Dahomey society, they were engaging in much fewer conflicts. Uh, And there are records of women that were suffering mentally from the war and um an instance of this there was a there was a mother and a child that uh, noticed a dohemi warrior woman uh veteran still fighting in the streets uh combating imaginary opponents she was rolling around and firing and continuing to uh fight in hand to hand combat against this invisible opponent and when the child asked about it her mother responded that this warrior was still uh, fighting the war in her head. So even at this time, there were still some nasty effects of war on warriors and it's, uh, it affects everyone. No one is immune to it. Not even anyone as fierce as the Dahomeys. But there was a lady that died in like 1970 that was reported to have fought the French. And so she lived to be over 100 and then also lived to see the independence of her country, which to me would have been one of the greatest rewards after something as brutal as a war with the French to then be able to be alive and witness the independence of the country. Nice. I like it. And there you have it, folks. Some of the fiercest women in history. Hashtag fierce. Hashtag fierce. Yeah, that's going to do it on the women of the Dahomey. Hey, Skylar, why the heck did you pick the Dahomeys? Have you ever heard of them before? No, I had not. But I had heard of the Amazons. But this was interesting. Yeah. So once again, just going along with people that have done extraordinary things that hopefully you haven't really heard of to shed more light on. There are amazing people out there and people do amazing things. So, And you know what this is? This is another story that takes place in yet another country. That's going to do it for us this week, guys. We hope you enjoyed the tale of the fighting women of Dahomey. We'll be back with you, actually, next week-ish. Seven, eight, nine, ten days. We'll come back with you with a new episode. We're going to keep that secret until then. There you go. So like you said, that's our show. And if you liked it, and even if you didn't like it, still subscribe. Um, we are available on Apple podcast and Spotify, and we sure would enjoy a rating, hopefully five stars and a review. Beautiful. And be sure to follow us on our social media. Our Instagram is, account is at finest hours podcast. And if you'd like to send us a email, talk to us about, uh, who you would like us to do next, you can contact us at finest hours pod at gmail.com. Thank you all very much. Tune in next time. Au revoir. Thank you.